Greetings, and welcome to Blue Stocking, the podcast for people who love to learn, but don't always have time to study. I'm your host, Rory Roberts, and this week I'm excited to dive into the rabbit hole that is medieval manuscripts. I found a couple of really interesting articles on Atlas Obscura that I'd like to share with you. The links are in the show notes. There will be another link or two in there as well. So this first article is called The Artful Imperfection of Medieval Manuscript Repair by Anika Burgess. In the cantonal and university library in the ancient city of Fribourg, Switzerland, is a 14th century manuscript with some gloriously beautiful defects. Scattered throughout the text are small tears and holes, and many of them have been carefully, intricately stitched together with colorful thread. Medieval manuscripts have all sorts of interesting quirks, from strange marginalia to dazzling jeweled bindings, and the basis of most of these books, parchment, has its own story. Parchment is created by soaking an animal skin, usually sheep, goat, or calf, in a lime solution and then stretching it onto a wooden frame. The parchment maker then repeatedly scrapes the skin with a curved knife to remove any flesh or hair until the skin is suitably taut, thin, and smooth. It is a lengthy process and has always been susceptible to mistakes and natural imperfections. Any sort of defect in the skin itself will open up into a hole because you're you're stretching the skin, says Christine Skiaka, associate, and I'm so sorry if I've mispronounced your name, uh, associate curator of European art at the Walters Art Museum in Baltimore. In addition, stretched skin has an irregular perimeter, so you're trying to transform an irregularly shaped piece of animal skin into a rectangular book form, she explains. The parchment could also be damaged by the scraping. Holes in the parchment weren't always dealt with, but when they were, any repairs needed to be done before it could be written on. This might include both patching over holes and evening out edges, explains Skiaka. The repair method could be crude or rudimentary, Frankenstein repairs, as Skiaka jokingly calls them, but as writer Paul Cooper recently highlighted, sometimes they could be quite beautiful. In that same 14th century text in Freiburg, a a single page is elegantly adorned with two sets of thin stitches, one pink, one green. Elsewhere in the same manuscript, there are rainbow-hued repairs of different shapes and sizes. In a text held at the Ingelberg Abbey Library in Switzerland, stitches at the edge of the page create a rope, as Skiaka refers to it, to fill in the, the edge of the parchment. And from the same library, the missing side of one page has been patched with an additional square of parchment. As medieval book historian Eric Quacko points out, these repairs must have been common in certain monasteries. Where I was finding a lot of these embellishments were in manuscripts that came from either nunneries or from what they call in Germany double cloisters, Skiaka says, so you have this paired male and female monastic community. They live separately, but they're allied with each other, and they're physically located next to each other, so it seems that this may be part of what was, in fact, women's training, which what was nuns' training, which was to practice embroidery. And they were doing it not just on textiles, but actually in manuscripts. 
Stitching wasn't the only way to make the best of flawed parchment. There are instances of holes being incorporated into illustrations or used to reveal an illustration on the following page. The stitches themselves could even be embellished. In a text in Germany's Bamberg State Library, a curve of plain colored stitching is surrounded with the drawing of a man so that the thread resembles his skeleton. Embroidered repairs weren't the only use of textiles in medieval manuscripts, or even the only use of textiles on a single page. In a 13th century text held at the Morgan Library and Museum in New York, a silk flap obscures an illuminated letter, while the bottom corner of the same page has been repaired with thread. Skiaka says this type of embellishment, curtains she calls them, was mainly used in liturgical texts and added an extra element to a priest's reading. It's a very performative thing, says Skiaka. Sometimes they were placed over more disturbing imagery, depicting the apocalypse, for example, to add weight and meaning for the viewer. Uh, and if you follow the link on the show notes, uh, at the bottom of that story are several really great uh, pictures of those uh, manuscripts that have been taken and very interesting. Uh, and this story led me to another story about the strange and grotesque doodles in the margins of medieval books. Uh, and if you do follow the link to this one, there are some disturbing pictures that they show. Just a heads up. This is also by Anika Burgess. Manuscripts can be seen as time capsules, says Joanna Green, lecturer in book history and digital humanities at the University of Glasgow. And marginalia provide layers of information as to the various human hands that have shaped their form and content. From intriguingly detailed illustrations to random doodles, the drawings and other marks made along the edges of pages in medieval manuscripts, called marginalia, are not just peripheral matters. Both tell us huge amounts about a book's history and the people who have contributed to it from creation to the present day. On medieval pages, marginalia can run from the decorative to the bizarre, which Green engagingly documents on her Instagram account. And I will put a link to that in the show notes as well. There are two broad categories of marginalia illustrations intended to accompany the text, and later annotations by owners and readers. Both can be vehicles for delight, disgust, and befuddlement. An example of useful intentional illustrations can be found for those with a strong stomach and an interest in medieval medicine in John of Ardern's Mirror of Phlebotomy and Practice of Surgery, which is located at the Glasgow University Library. Known as the father of English surgery, Ardern produced several important medical texts in the 14th century. Fortunately, he was also a prodigious illustrator. His textbooks contain ample amounts of delightfully detailed and occasionally rather gruesome illustrations. The margins are full of images of disembodied body parts, plants, animals, even portraits of cross-eyed kings which relate to the main body of text and act as a mnemonic for the reader, Green says. 
even though you open the manuscript knowing it is a medical text designed for practical use, nothing quite prepares you for seeing a disembodied leg, posterior, or penis pointing at salient parts of the text. In Ardern's texts, the marginalia has a clear purpose, but in other manuscripts, the meaning of drawings can be indecipherable. There are countless examples of unusual marginalia, monkeys playing the bagpipes, centaurs, knights in combat with snails, naked bishops, and strange human-animal hybrids that seem to defy categorization. Beyond these weird and wonderful illustrations, random doodles from later readers are also significant. Each time we find an annotation in the margin, the form it takes gives us an insight into the kinds of encounters or interactions those people had with these books, says Green. For medieval texts, a gloss, biblical reference, or some commentary suggests the user was reading the text closely, compared with pen trials which show scribes breaking in a new nib, while other marks and illustrations often give the impression of a bored reader using the blank parchment of the book as we might use scrap paper. It is essentially a form of archaeology, but for books. If the idea of doodling in a book either appeals to you or repulses you, then consider the pages of a copy of the long 15th century poem, Life of Our Lady, by John Lydgate. It is adorned with pages of doodles from the 16th century, illustrations of dogs, defecating goats, peacocks with stick figure riders, boats with tiny passengers aboard, and other marginal marks that look like very young children's scribbles. Uh, and if you follow the link on the show notes, Atlas Obscura has compiled a selection of doodles and drawings from medieval manuscripts. They are by turns silly, dramatic, and puzzling, but always illuminating about the way scribes and readers connected with the texts. And I will give you a heads up, there are, uh, there are there's a penis picture in there, uh, and some disturbing uh, medical procedure pictures, but if you can get past that. That's it. They're very interesting. And one more quick note. Uh, I have been thinking of starting another podcast this summer. It's another project that appeals to me. I want to start a podcast for sharing awkward stories, embarrassing stories, if you will. And um, I am entering myself into the Squarespace and Gimlet Media podcast competition called Casting Call, and they're actually making like a reality show podcast um, about this casting call for the next great podcast host. Uh, So I've already submitted my materials, but if you are interested in hearing the audio sample that I submitted, it will follow shortly. And just a note for the listener, if you're curious about why I've randomly gone into song at the end of this clip, it is because part of the application was, tell us a little bit about yourself. And I closed out with the brilliant words, I once wrote a love song to Bob Hope, and I think that says a lot about me. So um, if you're wondering about why the Bob Hope song, that's why. So enjoy this uh, quirky, hopefully very intriguing preview of Awkward and Upward 
which whether or not I am entered into this contest, I, I hope I am, but I'm sure that there are a lot of very talented podcast hosts who are hopeful to have the same result as I am hopeful for. So whether or not I get it, I am planning on launching a new podcast in the near future. So I hope you will enjoy. Thank you so much. If you love it, tell your friends. If you hate it, tell your enemies. Are you awkward? Do you often find yourself asking, why did I do that? Do you secretly or not so secretly derive pleasure in knowing that you're not alone when you engage in mortifying moments? Well then, you're in luck. New from Gimlet Media, Awkward and Upward delivers a wide array of schadenfreude in the form of guest interviews, listener submissions, famous faux pas, and personal recollections from a host who may or may not have once told a room full of high school students that she had just given them all the clap. I mean, what? (laughs) Join us as we laugh at our mistakes and learn to move on. And judges, for your listening pleasure and proof that I have absolutely no qualms about being 100% myself for grins and giggles, Feast your eyes, I mean, feast your ears, you know what I mean, I did tell you I was awkward, feast your ears on this epic love song to Bob Hope. Well, if you were still alive and I were 85, I'd marry you, cause when a girl says she loves a sense of humor, you should know that it's true. I don't care you think your looks are funny. Oh, Bob Hope, won't you please be my honey? Awkward and upward.